0: The pages that follow will explore the history of the sexual minority rights movement, philosophical perspectives on minority rights and sexual diversity, the role of law as a friend and foe of sexual minorities, the social movement for LGBT rights and equality, sexual minorities in the electoral process, public policies relating to sexual minorities, the transgender rights movement, the global... Movements for sexual and gender minorities. The themes identified, the themes identified in this chapter. Those are the role of religion, the politics of disgust, heterosexualism, heterosexism, identity formation, and solidarity, federalism, morality, politics, etc. Will be further explored to assist in the understanding of the unique politics of sexual and gender minorities. We're going to talk a lot about homosexuality. That's what we're going to do. That's what it's saying. Everything that has to do with it. The politics, people's opinions, the court of law, the electoral process, everything. It's a lot. Let's not waste any time. Page 65. Um, a few organizations. Um... This obviously represented the maturity of the movement. A small group of people were... I'm sorry, hold on. Let's start from here. Inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King's movement, a more open and militant movement also began to form on the East Coast by the mid-1960s through the Matashin Societies of Washington, D.C. and New York and the New York chapter of the Daughters of Bilities. Franklin... Frank, Camry, Raldorf, Randy, Wicker, and Barbara Gittins were some of the leading advocates of this era. A new organization was formed, East Coast Homophile Organizations, ECHO, with monthly meetings from members of the New York and DC groups and the Janus, Janus Society of Philadelphia. A national organization with annual conferences was also formed. The North American Conference of Omofil Organization, NACO. Just, it's going to be a lot of facts and words that might fly over your head. So just try to, just listen, relax, listen and get whatever it is. If, whatever it is that is the most important thing I'll mention to you when I finish reading. But it's going to go a lot like that, you know, mentioning things. Um, reading things and talking about them so relax there's a lot this obviously represented the maturation of of the movement a small group of people were planning and organizing a movement and an agenda to affect legal and political change at the first national gathering in Kansas City in 1966 the activists held a press conference to announce their goals in advance of 1967 meeting in Washington DC Camry um, wrote to President Lyndon Johnson, requesting a letter of welcome and a m- meeting with the president or members of the White House staff. Of course, neither happened. But the request reflects the seriousness and relative self-confidence of the movement, or at least its leaders, such as Cameron. In addition, a strategy of direct action quickly emerged. No longer would, no longer would quietly convincing elites to change their views on homosexuality be the main goal of the movement. We're not trying to change people's minds anyway. This alliance resulted in the first public demonstrations of the homophile movement in 1965. As activists picketed the White House, the State Department, the U.S. Civil Service Corporation, the United Nations, and the Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the goal was to get political leaders and other citizens to realize that the legal regime facing sexual minorities ran counter to fundamental American values of liberty and equality. Slogans on the picket signs included the, phrase, the phrases homosexuals ask for the rights of the pursuit of happiness, homosexuals, homosexual Americans demand their civil rights first-class citizens for homosexuals. Sexual preference is irrelevant to federal employment. Camry, inspired by the, by the slogan, Black is Beautiful, coined the phrase, Gay is Good, as a rhetorical centerpiece of the movement. In fact, Camry's activism and rhetorical advocacy during this period places him as the leading figure of the 1960s homophobia movement. It was pulled to action after being dismissed um Dismissed person to was Howard's orders. That's somebody's name. As an astronomer, he had a PhD from Harvard, this Camry person, from the Army Map Service in 1957. He was dismissed from his work, so he took his case unsuccessfully to the Supreme Court. And it was particularly focused on reversing the ban on federal employment. Um, there was a ban on federal employment for homosexuals. If you are caught, you would be uh, turned in jail. Yeah, well, you'll be dismissed from work. That's that's for sure. And then in different states, you could be penalized. Some states had ten years. Some had twenty years. It was particularly focused on reversing the ban on federal employment. He self-authored appellate, self-authored appellate brief, he wrote, you know, a brief to the court, is a remarkable statement of his political philosophy and f- framework for, for reform. While Camry's political philosophy is more fully addressed in chapter 3, it is illuminating to compare the statement of purpose he drafted for the D.C. Matashin Society with the previous statement. I have read this thing so much. <laughs> that. I know all the important figures now. And. I know the names of the societies. It's like, it's like going to school. It's like taking a course. I just took a course in homosexuality. For an entire week. Tough for me. <laughs> mm, okay. So, what is drafted for the Matashin Society? Let's just look at it briefly. Um, their aims and statements, all the things they want. It is the pos- It is the purpose of this organization. The Matashin Society is a society that, um, fights for homosexuals, the rights of homosexuals. Although they they had to be, they had to operate in secret for a while. But as the um fight progressed, like as the revolution progressed, as Camery appeared Kamini oh what am I saying Kamini appeared more in court and he usually normally would not say that he's an homosexual in court he never said that he always found a way not to answer that question but later on he started admitting it and the society got more public and more public and more public it is the purpose of this organization to act by any lawful means a to secure for homosexuals the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as proclaimed for all men by the Declaration of Independence, and to secure for homosexuals the basic rights and liberties established by the word and the spirit of the Constitution of the United States B. to equalize the status, the status, to equalize the status and Position of the homosexual with those of the heterosexual by achieving equality under the law, equality of opportunity, equality in the society of his fellow men, and by eliminating adverse prejudice, both private and official c to secure for the homosexual the right as a human being to develop and achieve his full potential and dignity and and the right as a citizen to make his maximum contribution to society in which he lives. D. To inform and enlighten the public about homosexuals and homosexuality. E. To assist, protect, and counsel the homosexual in need. 2. It is not the purpose of this organization to act as a social group or as an agency for personal introductions. 3. This organization will cooperate with other minority rights organizations which are striving for the realization of full civil rights and liberties for all yay we can stop there and move on to the next page this is going to be a long podcast isn't it, I have water if I pause from time to time to take a sip of water please don't, don't think I am unprofessional, I'm just trying to survive do you know I had to quit my teaching job because I was getting weaker from talking too much don't like talking too much Conversations are different. I mean, when you're conversing with somebody, you know you shut up for a word. Person speaks. You relax during that time. Conversations are easier. But when you're just talking and teaching and talking, oh, God, the energy you expand. Um, this is in chapter two. The emergence of a movement for sexual minorities and its opposition in the United States. The issue of the sexual minority pol. Po- mm the history of the sexual minority political and legal movement, okay, legal movement in the United States begins for the most part in the 1950s. In the United States in the 1950s, you can keep that in mind. It was not until the end of the 19th century that any conception about a class of people defined by non-heterosexuality began to form and much of the activity took place outside of the United States, especially in Germany. However... The frame of sexual minority rights as being part of liberal democratic framework with legal and political movements striving for equal rights and equal treatment is a more recent one in world history, but it's the frame that has informed the politics relating to sexuality for over a century at the same time this frame has been resisted by a dominant western largely christian tradition of exalting only heterosexual as a social political and legal identity and framing alternatives alternative sexualities as sinful and threatening this chapter is <laughs> i just i i like that to give you a background of the history you know so that you get it so that you get it and on next page for three, why did I skip so many things? oh they mention sigmund Freud in this book let's read what sigmund Freud did oh sigmund Freud is this psychologist person let's read what he did. He wrote books you know psychology of dreams, he said very weird things about women let's just forgive him let's just just forgive him um. Um few figures had as much impact on the politics of sexual minorities in the twentieth century as Sigmund Freud. Largely enough. Largely through a miss okay, let me read that again. Even I don't understand what I just read. Few figures had as much impact on the politics of sexual minorities in the twentieth century as Sigmund Freud largely through a misinterpretation and misapplication of his theories about sexuality. In contrast to the leading sexologists of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, Freud rejected the idea that homosexuality was an inborn trait in a subset of the population. Rather, he argued that everyone was born bisexual, but that heterosexuality was the end result of normal sexual maturation. He viewed persons with same-sex attraction as in a situation of arrested development, not fully formed heterosexuals. As he wrote to the mother of a gay son, Homosexuality is assuredly no advantage, but it is nothing to be ashamed of, no vice, no degradation. It cannot be classified as an illness. We consider it to be a variation of the sexual function produced by a certain arrest of sexual development. Many highly respectable individuals of ancient and modern times have been homosexuals, several of the greatest men among them. While he did not think that persons with same-sex same sex attractions could be there's no S after that attraction, sorry. While he did not think that persons with same-sex attractions should be socially ostr- ostracized, his approach it's approach that left them as less than heterosexuals had the effect of okay what that means is um he did say that same sex attraction people should not be ostracized from their societies but he also left it that they were not on the same level as people with heterosexual that that were heterosexuals so Indians of psychotherapies following his teachings entrenching the, the view that homosexuality was a mental illness to be treated. Oh, you were the one that started that. Oh, let's clap for Freud, everybody. Clap for Freud, 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 right. Always, always causing trouble. Eventually, Freudian psychoanalysis, oh, it was, it was a psychotherapist. psychoanalysis he was the one that invented the whole psychoanalysis thing so as a literature student we had to study um, him because the theories that we use to analyze our books was sometimes psychoanalysis I use psychoanalysis to analyze to do my um what is it called my project my project on Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass you curious. It's fine. It's fine. I analyze it as just saying that it's. It was not. It's not really for children. The book is not for kids. The book is a dive into the author's um, mental states. It's psychology. They dive into his psychology, and his mind is interesting. I love it. I love that book. I don't know if. I think I st- I still love it. I've not read it in a while, and I usually review things. You know, I'll I'll grow it a bit, then I'll go and check if what I like is actually what I like. So, but I know that I've read that book about a lot. I spent a lot of time with it during this. Day, so, I think I still like it. I do need to read it again, though. Eventually, Freudian psychologists took the view as described by historian Nicholas the adult homosexual. Was deeply troubled, and functionally impaired. Um, this was like the beginning of, of trouble, because people took this and ran with it. That um, homosexuality was an illness, mental illness, and it was registered. You know, Americans have this um log of illnesses, so they they log that in. This is the medical society in our well, America. Um. The shy medical log where all the diseases in the world are logged in the homosexual was under mental illness. Homosexuality was under sexual illness, but eventually they took it out. So now we know where it came from. Where, th- <laughs> what prompted the mental illness thing? It was Freud, guys. It was Freud. We gotta love that guy. We love that guy. Not really. we love you, Jesus. Love, but don't come near us. Um moving on, moving on on the days of Pentecost I'm sorry <laughs> um if I'm going to skip some things because uh I'm tired of talking about them. I'm sorry, it sounds inconsiderate, but it's a long list here. And if I talk about everything I've repeated that I read in other books, it'll be painful. And it this podcast is painfully long. So just go and read I mean I listen to go and listen to um The Deviant War by Eric Savini. I did a podcast on that already. So read that there's a lot of background to that. And then um add the gay revolution to it there's an episode on that too both of them are history books on the old thing but i like this one because there's a way you are going to see it's very comprehensive it's a short book shorter than the other ones and it has a lot of myths in there like it, it's um covered history not just gay history but how other parts other parts of the world not just america itself like other parts of the world and Um, the policies of other parts of the world and how it affected the gay movement and how politics affected the gay movement and how court of law and election and people's opinions all of that inside this tiny book that's why I like it so the background where people formed societies matashin, daughter's abilities um, cameron's cameronies appearance appearances because they had many in court And even what happened in court, all the questions they were asking him, they are already in the deviant's war. So go listen to all of that. Let's move on. I hope you're satisfied. Um, The U.S. lesbian and gay rights movement began in earnest in 1950 or slash stroke 1951. With the creation of the Matashin Society. And here I am again. Talking about it. <laughs> Even I said I wouldn't. Um, is it getting repeated? Or am I just going backwards? I'm very confused. Okay. Under the topic. Lesbian feminism and gay liberation. Let me read what we have there. By the late 1960s and 1970s. Second wave feminism was emerging as a powerful movement. This feminism movement was focused on critiquing the patriarchal or male-dominated institutions and cultural practices throughout society. Challenging and changing entrenched gender roles, especially in the family and the workplace, was central to the feminist critique. Reproductive rights emerged as in, emerged as a central focus of the movement, as feminists argued that women women could not be fully liberated and free to control their lives without complete control of their reproductive futures. Feminists also critiqued liberalism's tendency to view power and authority only in the public or governmental realm and began to point to the ways that men dominated women in the more private realms of the home and workplace. Thus, issues such as domestic violence and sexual harassment, harassment emerged as central to the movement. Many lesbians, obviously, agree with the philosophical approach of the feminist movement, and many became actively involved in the movement. However, however, given still dominated heterosexism, some feminist movement leaders viewed the presence of lesbians in the movement be a threat in the movement's success. Okay, most famously, Betty Friedan, whose book. The feminist mystique helped to ignite second wave feminism referred to lesbians in the movement as the Lavanda Menants, Why? That hurts. And attempted to purge them from leadership roles in the movement. In addition, many lesbians also witnessed sexism and discrimination in the male dominated gay liberation movement. Sorry. Partially in response to their experiences and partly out of the logic of feminist analysis, some lesbians created a movement and body of feminist thoughts that placed lesbians at the center of the feminist movement. That became lesbian feminism. We never thought lesbian feminism in school, And thought of different types of feminism. Well, congratulations, Bibi O'Kore. You just expanded your level of education. Who is going to give me another degree? This I should be getting another. I go I Sorry. Um. So we we know. I just I wanted to point that out, that not um every woman supported. the women even in feminist movements? Not all of them supported. Lesbians being among them. They didn't think, they're fighting for the same things. They felt threatened. It's more like it, they felt threatened ah. now we're going to history. I like this part the ancient greek the ancient Greek acceptance and celebration of sexual diversity did not survive the rise of Christianity and the fusion of the theology of the Catholic Church with classical political philosophy. The approach of Aristotle and Plato, Aristotle, Ha oh, we like that guy. We don't. The approach of Aristotle and Plato and Plato became fused to Christianity through the work of Middle Age philosophers like Thomas Aquinas. In terms of sexuality, procreative heterosexual intercourse became the only acceptable and natural type of sexual practice. The approach of Aquinas would be adopted by the new natural law theorists of contemporary philosoph- philosophical debates. Um, so, in Asian Greek, I said this in the other books, you should be, really go listen to them. In the other books, um, we mentioned that the Greek, the Romans, they didn't really care about drawing the line between homosexuals and heterosexual. And in fact, they didn't have those words. So, you could sleep with whomever you wanted to sleep with. Um, just as long as you still get married, you do whatever you want, you still get married, you have, your, you have your children, but you can have fun. That's what they're saying. But here they are telling us that, um, all of those things did not survive. The Christians came, the rise of the Catholic Church came and got rid of all those things. Moving on, the rise of liberalism, liberalism. Secularism and individual rights. This part is interesting. Starting in the in the sixteen sixties sixteens. How do they pronounce one six zero zero s? Is that the fifteenth century? That's fifteenth century, right? I'm just going to say fifteenth century. Hi, fifteenth century. So, um. Western political philosophy witnessed a significant... I'm not trying to think about anything right now. I can do better, but I, I'm trying to read. I'm sorry, I hope you will get what 1600 is. Okay, let's try. 1600 is <laughs> Western political philosophy witnessed a significant shift away from the assumptions and values of classical political thoughts. thomas Tomataku- Thomas Hobbes, this guy, this guy. Thomas Hobbes. Oh, the reason why I said something about Aristotle, I didn't tell you. Aristotle um said, well, I hope he changes mind later in his life, but he did say that women exist um only because when we're in the womb, there's a malfunction, there's a why deformity. That's what he called us. A deformity and and then he said some one other nasty thing i don't remember what's well, the nice to see you i felt very hurt, but i just said it why should i feel hurt somebody just lied why should i feel triggered by the liar lie liar now thomas hobbes is a very interesting character let's read about him thomas hobbes and hobbes and john locke became began, sorry, began to push political thinking in a more secular, individualistic, and egalitarian direction in their very liberal, in their early liberal thoughts. So this is after we tracing history. Now, that's why I like this book, depth of stress history. There's the Greek people. They were very free with their bodies. Then the church came in and pushed out all those things and established heterosexual as the normal, what is good. Then after that, during the sixteenth, fifteenth century, please just go with me. Fifteenth century. Um. That's when these people, by the way, Thomas Hobbes is, is like allegedly the first atheist in the world. So that's that. So Thomas Hobbes and John Locke, they were the ones that said to move people towards a more secular, a more individualistic liberal type of thinking. That's after, you can trace it now, the Greek, the Christians, then the Thomas Hobbes people. Um, eventually, liberalism matured and began to contemplate personal freedoms, including the rights to determine one's personal path in the world, including intimacy, especially in the political thought of Jeremy Bentham, and John Stuart Mill. Oh, I I heard those names. Hi. In fact, in private writings, consistent with his utilitarian philosophy, um, utilitarians think that um, as long as he makes a particular group of people happy and um, it makes people happy, it's not a danger to them or other people, and as long as, you know, that group of people, not are not they're not rapists or killers things like that, then you can have at it. That's what utilitarians. That that's a very simplistic point of view, but that's what they think. So. Betham called for this decriminalization of same-sex acts and he was too but well, he was too afraid of the negative reaction that would occur if these sentiments were published unlike the classical philosophers early liberal theory evolved in a time of intense hostility to sexual diversity but the logic of emerging liberalism would create the political framework for an eventual discussion of sexual diversity Thomas Hobbes is most famous for his arguments that the only way to permanently listen to this, you god, listen to this. This is interesting. Thomas Hobbes is most famous for his arguments that the only way to permanently escape the state of nature in which life was famously solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short, was for individuals to agree to surrender all power to the Levitan. And anybody? Uh Levitan from the Bible. Am I pronouncing that right? Levitan? Leviathan. I think I'll just go with Levitan. Uh the the, the serpent like beast like thing that lives in the water and is somewhat symbolic to the devil. Um you should the only way you can escape your short, poor, nasty life is to surrender all power to the Levitan or the ultimate sovereign authority. Okay, not so bad. You either surrender to God or the devil. That was quite extreme. Our brother. Then he turned out to be an atheist. I don't know what did he surrender to then. Um. Okay. Um, in exchange for peace and security. Look at what we got the idea. You surrender so I can get peace and security. Before the surrendering of power, ever, Hobbes viewed politi- politics through the prism of individualization and held that politics was driven by selfish human desires, not communitarian impulses, as Aristotle argued. This analytical individualism would powerfully shape the evolution of liberalism. In addition, for the politics of sexuality, it's called for the secularization of politics, and the undoing of centuries of merging of church and state was profoundly important. Personally, I think everything went to shit when we decided to agree to this. Um, as a species, when we decided to, well, as a Christian, I just have to say that. Um, everything went to shit when we decided to separate church from from state. Because the church no longer had influence on the state. And the state could do whatever. And the state had no point of reference aside the people. So it has just become the government which the people can wield which the people have placed a lot of power in against the church. so um It's an instrument. And largely it's a thing it's a thing about um it's about numbers it's almost it's almost a game of numbers like the majority will vote because that's how we have placed our society that's democracy so the majority will vote but what is interesting in all these books is the fact that they were a minority (laughs) like they were a small set of people and they managed to convince people they got the majority on their side. They were able to persuade the courts, persuade um, public opinion. They were able to do things that eventually changed people's minds about them and they got what they wanted. That is the that is the incredible thing about revolutions, by the way. All, basically all revolutions because people are not on your side initially and then you keep working on things and doing things that makes them change their minds. So... It started from there. Immediately, um, church separated from state, and the fact that we had to have America, by the way, had to have the old First Amendment, Constitution, liberal rights, right to pursue happiness, and all of that. So, because at the end of the day, when you look at the right to pursue happiness or the pursuit of happiness, is quite, it's not the same. What makes me happy does not necessarily make you happy, except that's God and that's good. That's good. Hi, baby. Okay, I hope you don't mind Okay, I'm calling you, baby. Sorry. Um, but it's essentially it's not the same. It and these days, it's looking quite different for everybody. Quite, quite different for everyone. And I don't know. Our society is so obs- obsessed these days with wanting to be a minority. Everybody wants to be a minority. Oh, we shall overcome. We have overcome actually. We have the victory. Um, moving on, I got digressed. If you don't like Christian talk, I don't apologize. Orb's views about political philosophy were significantly shaped by the violence and chaos of the English Civil War, 1642 to 1651, much of which was. Oh, the earth has been through a lot. Much of which was driven by religious differences. Indeed, it ridiculed the notion that politics could be grounded in theology because theology is manipulated by people, by humans, for desired political ends, leading to conflict. I'm not even... that—that That is true. So... It was still problematic, even when th- they were... We joined to the states because human beings were just devilish. Bahala. <laughs> it's always we're always just trying to solve one problem. You solve one problem that problem a problem turns out turns out that that problem was or is a hydra and then you think you chop off the head and then other heads pop up. Ugh. Let's not think about that. It's scaring me and my room is dark. Um, because indeed, he ridiculed the notion that politics should be grounded in theology, because theology is manipulated by humans for, and it sucks. It sucks that we're no omniscience. You, not omniscient. Um, you, not that I'm trying to grab God's power, but it sucks that we're not omniscient because we can't see everything. If we're able to see everything, then we'll know exactly. Ooh, ooh, ooh not the right not the right thing not the thing that's not the way let us just try to fix the problem okay let us try to fix the problem let's not throw the baby out with the bath water let's not do that let's don't do it i don't know oh but this this will be this is my perspective as a christian this will be completely different from the side of somebody who is on the side of um, mm, all of this. On the side of the gay revolution and all of that. And you like... Then you support as the whole thing got broken down. Because each one... Everyone just gets... Everything just gets broken down, broken down, broken down, broken down. We will only get even more divided. Do you guess? We will only get more divided. And we will struggle to support... Each other or one another we will struggle to support one another we will do it out of even if we feel right about it or we don't feel right about it we will just feel compelled to do it because we've already supported one or two before and it has the same logic because we are bound to our logic and how we feel and nobody is omniscient let this, that I feel sad Again, we have the victory. Don't lose hope. Don't 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 get despondent. I love you. Okay, you have good cheer. As he stated in defending, we're talking we're talking about Thomas here. As stated in defending absolute sovereign power from superior claims of a religious power, there's no covenant with God, but by mediation of somebody that represents God's person. Eh, eh you've not heard of the Holy Spirit but this pres- this pretense of covenant with God wow. I feel it. but this pretense of covenant with God is so evident a lie even in the pretenders own consciences that it's not only an act of an injustice but also a vile unmanly disposition um very really sad um hubs i feel sad <laughs> i feel sad because they just threw away the power like the holy spirit and spirit of god like completely disregarded it wow sorry g <laughs> sorry um hobs advocated religious toleration but he opposed the direct mixing of theology and politics. Only a worldly sovereign authority could maintain stability and allow for any form of personal enjoyment. He's right. He's right there. Only a worldly sovereign authority could maintain stability. And allow for any form of personal enjoyment. They 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 can maintain stability, but they can allow for any form of personal enjoyment. I agree with half of that. So, um, oh, oh this part. While in the end the Leviathan could potentially limit human freedom, the ability of the Leviathan. What is this, this guy saying about Leviathan? What's wrong with this guy? Indeed, Hobbes' philosophy is also important for a focus on individual happiness and pleasure and a diversity of human impulses for pleasure, while in the end, it's just pleasure. Hey, <sniffs> Timon, Coco, when Jesus knew he, he was nailed on the cross, was it pleasure? <sniffs> Don't, know here. Don't know what's going on. <laughs> Don't know what's up. <laughs> that, That is the height of discipline. Okay, business people think they are disciplined. They wake up at four. They do this, they do that they tell you to put in 10 times the amount of effort that other people do they tell you to condition your body they tell you to make new habits you obey them because to some extent that makes sense to you it makes a lot of sense you know that you can't just enjoy yourself into into your dreams into the things that you want to achieve that makes sense to you who made that law? god but by the way that's just by the way i just wanted to remind you just just by the way then here is bringing something on individual happiness and pleasure and the diversity of human impulses for pleasure. The, I saw a TikTok. The guy said, real men don't do um, as they please. Real men do what they must. And I was struck like, ooh, are you seeing the light of day now? Are you seeing... And then uh, look at the cross. That is the height... That not even let's forget about love self because of course he he sent his son to die because he died for he loved us, but that is the height of discipline. He conditioned his body like Jesus could have gone on having for like what pleasure. You think with Jesus healing the sick and doing all these things, he doesn't know how to have pleasure. what is pleasure that I cannot have my brothers and sisters it's so easy to have pleasure that I don't even need my government to support me I just have to be careful enough and I can have pleasure, I can do whatever I want so like I just think the concept of human pleasure is very over, like, exaggerated personal happiness, one thing, one thing, one thing people are finding it so hard to even identify what makes them happy these days and they have everything, and their government gives them everything, and like, uh, what is so mean? Let's go back to the Leviathan business. While in the end, the Leviathan, the Leviathan, could potentially limit human freedom, the stability. Even if you realize, you notice that the devil will limit your personal. Where is not mentioning God? Yeah? Wait, he criminalized God, and said one thing. Things like this, eh? They always look bad because the, the church will look bad because they were probably corrupt. The leaders were, the ones that were very visible and were at the end of affairs were probably corrupt. Then, um, people wanted their freedom. <laughs> then the devil is saying here that devil at the end of the day will still restrict your personal pleasure. So everybody looks bad here. Yeah? I know this particular this particular scenario because I used to write articles like this. And it just somehow paints everybody as bad but then presents a hope that, well, we can do this instead. But that thing that you are presenting just serves your own purpose. I think I'm talking too much here. Please, let's move. Forget about the Leviathan, whatever. Um, Moving on. We have read this. We have read this. And yes, I'm moving on to like another time. After Locke after Locke's time, after Thomas Locke's time and John Locke's time. We're moving. We are moving. For understanding the politics of sexual minority in the United States, there's perhaps no more critical a political philosopher than John Stuart Stuart Mill. His essay on his essay on liberty, on liberty title, had a profound impact on US politics and law. In that, in that essay, Mill defended freedom of speech and the freedom to make personal choices unencumbered by the state or by society through shaming and austra- ostracism. Wow, is it not ostracization? Ostracization. Well, ostracism is shorter. This le- this latter point is. Crucial, and given that liberals like Locke had been mostly concerned with threats to individualism stemming from the government, not the private realm for long for me as long as one's actions do not infringe on the rights of others, an individual should be unconstrained by government or society, so that we moved from that good law to that one that that thing that thoughts where you think because your actions do not affect the other person and um, it should be right. Hmm. That particular allows like different things to float on the surface. Or to I don't know. There's there are just so many things. There's so many scenarios that you can always think there are some things that i just operate on consideration like a lot of consideration yeah education is important and i don't mean school education i mean thorough education in the faith that's why i always have a problem when people don't pass on these things to your kids teach your kids. Have time. Teach your kids. But how will you even teach your kids when you yourself you are not strong in what you are doing? But anyway, people always... They don't get the education at home. They don't get the education in school. And even though we are on different levels of our spirituality and... There are many demons roaming up and down, looking forward to the bar. And many people don't have the tools to resist the devil. So, Lord, oh, have mercy. Have mercy. I want to move past all of this page 116 queer theory developed from foucault and the writings and arguments of other philosophers like judith butler butler argues that gender is purely socially constructed there is nothing natural or essential about masculinity or femininity or femininity in reality, gender is quite fluid or malleable. when we think we what we think we see as gender in ourselves and others is in reality a performance <sighs> <laughs> mm. in other words, according to Butler, we are all always in drag, so we're always performing. okay. She says what we see what we see as gender in ourselves and others, the things that we see with our eyes are hardly ever um the true essence of masculinity or femininity, and I agree I agree, but i am yet to study on what masculinity and femininity actually is, and it's not about clothes. Uh, you can find a way to express yourself through clothes and still, you can wear like really manly clothes and be a feminine and your femininity will still um shine through that there's just people that have that type of energy they are not trying to be men and even when they wear men's clothes, you can tell that they are not trying to be men Like they are not trying to be men but there are other people that you can see that they are actively trying to be other people in their clothes and same thing goes for other women so you have to wonder where is that coming from But I'm yet to know what masculinity is. I I think I'm going to learn that next week because next week I'm going to be reading on feminism. And yeah, and because I'm going to be reading on feminism, I will definitely need to understand the structure of the home and what makes men men and what makes women women. I I need to understand that. Because I know for sure that it's not clothes. So what is that? It's something in us. It's something... Some something spiritual definitely. It, anytime something is spiritual that, and we can always mess with the phys- physical side, we can always mess with the physical side. And when we start to mess with the phys- physical side, it starts to mess with people who are not strong inside their head. And they start to form like really weird things in their spiritual. And before you know, the world descends into chaos. So what we're saying here is not that even if it hurts people, like it goes back to that thing. I want to say that that thing was largely selfish. That statement where you say, if it doesn't affect somebody, if it doesn't infringe on the rights of somebody, then, then um, you can go ahead and do it. It's largely selfish because there are some things that you just know your brother suffers suffers with, and it's not infringing on his rights. It would be basically you trying to infringe on your own rights. In fact, to protect the other person's mind, that's where consideration comes, and that's why. You know it's still about love, it's still love at the end of the day it's not it's not it's about you, but it's also turning yourself down just a little bit so that you are not causing trouble for your nibble you know like just a little, but because of that law, because of that one law, because of that one change from church church behavior to that every other thing that came from it came from it. You know if if you become a hypocrite, if you follow that law, if you are that type of person, and then you start to think, Oh, um, I don't really accept it doesn't infringe on the right of somebody, but I don't accept this. That's bullshit. You should accept it. It's like Solomon's wives. Um when Solomon got married and also acquired all those concubines. Do you think he loved all of them? No, I'll answer that for you straight up he couldn't have loved all of them maybe he loved them with the love of god but he couldn't have been so passionate about all of them but this one that he loved the most or maybe three of them now let me not say three maybe he, he had like capacity for all those women so a hundred out of all those women and he loved them and they asked him solomon please i miss my idols please make me idol baby rub your head rub your head kiss your kiss your face and then he says, okay, fine, baby. You've kissed me. Of course, I'll make it for you. Then he builds an idol for maybe two, three of them. What law could make him build idols for all of them? Because he did. He later did. He did. <laughs> what law do you think made him build idols for the rest of them? Fairness. It's fairness. Immediately, you start to operate on one law. You just have to do it for the remaining people. You, you have to stretch yourself and do it for the remaining people. Because you can't come off as hypocrites. You married us all. All your concubines were here for you. Do you think he enjoyed building all those altars? Maybe he did. Maybe he really liked all those women. And maybe he did. But at the end of the day, he ended up building all those things. And he was in trouble. He was. And the generation after him. What generation of time? I don't remember. We just know that you shouldn't have a thousand women at your disposal. Ah, ah. now only you are calm. What's that? What type of life is that? How was sharing it? In a year, you cannot sleep with all those. Oh, they were probably doing like a group thing. Wow, solo moon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That guy was strong. What? Or maybe he didn't sleep with them. He's, there's the probability that he didn't sleep with all of them. That he just had them. To just be like, oh, the king had so-so this. You know, because he was such a great king and he was very wealthy. And he had the means to take care of all those women. So, maybe he just had them. <laughs> but 1k women. Wow. That guy is strong. My guy is strong. Um, The notion that gender and also biological sex as intersex theorists and advocates claim is socially constructed has created tension between some feminist thinkers and activists and queer theorists and transgender or intersex theorists and activists. (laughs) Intersex people believe that, you know, um, gender is a social gender and biological sex like you coming out with a vagina is a biological it's a social construct so other people didn't agree with them. Feminist thinkers didn't agree with them because their basis was they're fighting for their own womanhood and activists and queer people and transgender people didn't agree Everybody just trying to be the best here while some feminists they're trying to belong i don't know what it is i can't i'm i'm sorry i'm not a psychologist so let's forget about that Uh, i apologize why some feminists incorporate insights about social construction into their feminist analysis others take a more essentialist view of gender as something fixed and culturally powerful they fear that moving away from viewing gender through the prism of men versus women will undermine the critique of male power in society. So everybody is trying to serve their interests now. In particular, everybody's trying to serve their interests. Nobody is trying to serve everybody's interest. Even when you are trying to serve other people's interests, you are thinking at the corner of your mind, there's really nothing particularly wrong with we'll it. Because, you know, good deeds always make you feel good. So, people say there's no complete good deeds. Um, That should even come up. That's like a natural law. That's a very natural law. In particular, some feminists are critical of transgender women because it is argued they have the choice to remain in a socially and political power role as men or can retreat to this role when necessary. Other feminists argue that gender is significantly socially constructed, but that male power remains a significant cultural and political force. They view transgender individuals as a path to the equalization, if not elimination, of rigid gender categories and the power dynamics that come with those categories. But the anti-transgender element of some feminist critics has had powerful effects. Okay? I just tell you that some people are not agreeing with the other group and some agree with other groups and they think it's powerful and all of that. It's a mess. The new natural law movement is a movement in law, philosophy, and theology that is closely connected to the teachings of the Catholic Church. These thinkers ground their analysis not in liberal or liberationist traditions, but the classical political thoughts of Aristotle and the adopter of Aristotelian thoughts to Catholic doctrine, Thomas Aquinas. Okay. Central to this approach is the notion that law and policy should only promote heterosexual procreation sex, a family structure that supports this. Strong critics of this um, approach, philosophers Nicholas C. Bamforth and David A.J. Richards, note the implications for sexual and gender politics. They describe an astonishing list of potential laws and policies regulating intimacy other natural law theory including the use of contraception and abortion gender roles within the family and sexual practices as they describe the implications our sexual and emotional lives must be controlled restricted and channeled petan pet oh boy peter paternalism paternalism I'm sorry, it's because I've never experienced the word before. Paternalism and the restriction of intimate personal choices would become a social imperative. Does anybody understand that? Because I have I've lost myself. To conclude this chapter, it is impossible to understand the, re- the rise of LGBT politics. It is impossible. Okay, we let's finish sentence. It is impossible to understand the rise of LGBT politics and its opposition without understanding the ideas that have shaped these politics. Okay, and this is this is actually why I like the book because it leads us through everything. Basically from the beginning of time. Only it doesn't go back to Ederman, just the Greek the Greek part. It leads us through everything and I like it. I like how it has shown us the breakdown of society, you know. I like it. Not even necessarily breakdown. Just society. I'm just saying breakdown of society. Because you know I'm the Jesus baby. And the church. All of that. I really want to have a working memory of the world history. Anybody like that. I want to have a working memory of the world history. And not just like the world history based on homosexuality now. Because But it's good that I know this. Because there are some things that... Will be relevant to when i read about another like the feminist movement that i'm going to read about next week it will be nice to know the feminist movement and how it worked out and the times and then link that w- um, to my working knowledge of this lgbtq revolution LGBTQIA revolution there's more There's is more than i i jesus i forgot i'm sorry um so i'd like to link that to that wouldn't be nice? And then I'll check another movement. Maybe not even necessarily movement, but like something that happened in time, and still has um present implications, and keep linking it, like a, like walking history book. That would be so cool. Let's move on. Page one hundred and forty-four. Okay, we're talking about politics now. This part was my least favourite part. The politics and law part. Because I don't know much about politics and law. Okay, no politics, law. The whole election. The law. Just law. Courts, all those things. Jose Saria was the first openly gay candidate for public office when he lost a race for the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in nineteen sixty one frank kemeny ran unsuccessfully for congress in 1917 while mentioning all the people all the gay people that ran for um positions of power and most of them didn't win somebody even got killed so i'm um, detailing their um the failures because um, they didn't get in power the first openly gay person to run for Congress. The year 1974 was important in terms of the evolution of LGBT elected officials after previous members of the council. Nancy Nancy and Jerry, I'm sorry, I don't I can't pronounce your surnames. Okay, let me try. Nancy Wetzler and Jerry D. Greek. Hmm. (laughs) I'd come out after their elections, they came out after elections, um, Kati Chanko was elected in the Ann Arbor, Michigan City Council. Ellen Noble was elected in the Massachusetts legislature and a Minnesota state legislator, a state senator, Allen Spear, came out as a gay man while in the office and was subsequently re-elected. Spear represented a district in Minnesota, Mino- Minneapolis. What am I saying? Minneapolis that included the University of Minnesota. Okay, Noble represented a district in Boston during the post-stone war years. Many more candidates tried and failed to get elected, especially in large cities. The most famous openly gay elected official from this era is Avi Milk. Milk was a community and gay rights activist who ran for office several times before being elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1977. Milk was a strong believer in the power of electoral politics as a way to to advance the agenda of lesbian and gay community of course every like I'm a strong believer too in the power of electoral politics to advance the the agenda of God of the kingdom of the church everybody does that that's why everybody's going to by to get a seat at the governmental act in governments because you know you serve your people you serve your interests that's what happens that's the thing with democracy my dear if famously I, I wonder like because I don't know what was the time. Because Thomas Hobbes says it was horrible that the the Catholic the church was corrupt, at least when it was linked to the state. So I want to know um, how did it work. What was the how was the influence? What was the influence of the church over the state? How did it work? I don't I don't know how it worked. Apart from the old king, queen, palava, what was the old thing with the state? And King Queen is not even church, so how? Oh, oh! I still don't know. Even after watching Queen Elizabeth Scott the movie, I know that they mentioned the church from time to time, but I still don't know what the influence, the actual influence was. I don't know. That's something to learn about. He, he was shot dead, right? This guy, this male guy. They killed him. Of course, Milk was assassinated, along with Mayor George Moscone by fellow supervisor Dan White in 1978. White had resigned from the board, but then changed his mind and wanted Moscone to reappoint him. Moscon eventually decided to appoint someone else. He first shot Moscone, at City Hall, then Milk. Milk was a close ally to Moscone, And, and Milk and the much more conservative White eventually became political rivals. They you, him. He died. Blood everywhere. So many problems. May so rest in peace. Amen. Social movements are generally movements of socially marginalized groups. You know, like the African-American civil rights movement, the suffrage and women's rights or feminist movement, movement and the disability rights movement are all prominent examples of social movement. They became more common as mass politics emerged or movements involving large numbers of average citizens and became more common by the end of the 19th and early to mid 20th centuries. Social movements use a variety of tactics like direct action protests to create awareness or place pressure on the government, such as matches and sit-ins or demonstrations, directly lobbying or pressuring government officials, litigations and media campaigns. So that was the, that was the strategy that they used to get, to gain more awareness. Not start awareness. The depth of hostility towards sexual minority can be seen in polling data as the on the morality of the sex same intimacy. Since 1973, the general social survey has been asking respondents whether sexual activity between persons of the same sex was always wrong or not wrong at all. In that year, in that year, that's 1973. Um, 70, 73% responded always wrong. This percentage always rose gradually, actually rose gradually throughout the 1970s and the 1980s. I find that funny. Reaching a peak of 77% in 1991, this number declined significantly during the 1990s and 2000s to 46% by 2013, with 44% responding not wrong at all. Thus, the overall climate has improved, but nearly half of the country views sexual minorities through a strong lens of moral disapproval. So, you have the numbers now. You know what's the... However, there's a significant demographic and geographical ver- geographic variation in support for the rights of sexual minorities. Okay, women are slightly more supportive of LGBT rights than men. Higher levels of education correlate with stronger support for LGBT rights. Why higher, higher levels of religiosity, as measured by frequency of church attendance, correlates to lower levels of support. Belief in biblical Literalism is associated with a resistance to LGBT rights. Political ideology also matters, with li- with liberals more supportive and conservative, conservatives more opposed. Finally, and perhaps more significantly, younger people are much more supportive of LGBT rights than older people. This can clearly be seen in polling, polling concerning marriage equality. According to Gallup, adults between the ages of 18 and 29 are nearly twice as likely to support marriage equality as adults ages 65 and over In, indeed much but not all of the change in opinion on marriage equality is due to cohort replacement or the fact that much opposed older citizens are being replaced in the population by younger more supportive citizens this indicates that support for lgbt rights should continue to climb you get it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kennedy's opinion was also notable for its equating same self same sex intimacy with opposite sex intimacy all of the moral judgment of boas was gone And the issue was fundamentally refrained by Kennedy. You don't understand it, yes? But you understand it. In this sense, Justice Antonin Scalia accused Kennedy of judicial activism, that is, overturning a decision made through the democratic process, and argued that the rights to privacy, as developed by the courts, did not prevent a majority in in a state from enacting a law grounded in theological morality. As he said, many Americans do not want persons who openly engage in homosexual conduct as partners in their business, as scout masters for their children, as teachers in their children's school, or as boarders in their homes. They view this as protecting themselves and their families from a lifestyle that they believe to be immoral and destructive. He also noted that Kennedy's supportive language could open the door to a future ruling validating same-sex marriage in fact few months later chief justice margaret marshall would rely heavily on kennedy's language in finding massachusetts ban on same-sex marriage unconstitutional in the groundbreaking so the problem from from that old thing about still from the old thing about consideration as long as it's not hurting anybody wanting 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 um it's fine people that are now uncomfortable with it, like, they are not com- It's not a matter of I'm sorry, but, like, you can exist. You know, you can exist. I'm not... There's a difference between acknowledging that homosexuality is a sin, okay? Especially if you're a Christian. Like, I'm just going to speak la- largely to Christians. Um, but, okay, to everyone listening, I'm a Christian. Let's this is how i'm going to interpret it it's because i'm a christian you know for god for god baby um <laughs> so the problem with that with that rule another problem with it is people are not comfortable with having homosexuals around them they don't think it's good you can't change their mind they just think it's not they don't think it's good to be around them okay they don't think um they are trying they're also learning about self-control and they don't think you hanging around them is good they will probably have to travel to the north pole to be away from you and and that is still constitutional that is still utilitarian because it doesn't hurt anybody because at the end of the day the person makes the choice to have to leave his family or get comfortable with you that is why as Christians like I don't think there will be anywhere we can run to There's, this is our earth and we share with like, many people so you need to get powerful you need to get powerful. There's, there's, there's nothing again. You need to get powerful. Um And by powerful, I mean you need to know who God is. You need to know the gospel that you have believed. You know, the reports that you have believed. Like Paul said. Oh, but I am convinced because I know the, the report. I know whom I have believed. So, when you get there, it's going to be hard. It's just going to be a bit harder because... um you don't know who is around your child. And you don't know what they are teaching them. And you have to be careful. Because they are children. They are the ones that are most vulnerable to these things. You know, when you don't teach them. Or when you are not extra careful. You're just going to be extra, extra careful. When you are not extra careful. I I sympathize with parents, actually. When when you are not extra, extra careful. They will think you are, you know, not fashioned. Or they have gone out of fashion teach them. And to do that, you have to be strong yourself. Like, really, really strong. And ask God for a lot of help. And go to a really, really good church. So that at least they have people that... Go to a church, not just any church. Room, church where people, they are well-placed. They are people of influence. People of intelligence. And then they love God. Eh-heh, so that your child can have a really, really balanced life. And they have role models that... Road mothers that speak up, role models that are bold, role models that love God, and role models that are really really intelligent. Because we young people we like intelligent people, we are very attracted to people who have their heads screwed on straight. So, and people have achieved things, we want to see results. So, people that have results, people that have their heads screwed on straight, will be the ones that first appeal to them. People who dress well too, we like people that dress well, that are very. We like fashion-forward people, but, like, not outrageously indecent people, but we like fashion-forward people. We like, like, you can can sweet, sweet things up for us. That's what we're here for. <laughs> don't make it boring. We don't like boring. We do not like boring. Okay? We like to learn. Respect us. We like, to learn. we like to learn a lot, but we also do not like boring. So, just know that you know that about yourself now. So, know that even your kids, you'll probably be double so, keep them as engaged as possible. Keep them around you. Keep them around you. Um. When people tell me that they want to have four kids, I'm not saying you should not have four kids. So if that's what God says, okay, you can handle this. Baby, you're going to have four kids. Go ahead and have four kids. Five kids, seven kids. You are sustained by the grace that God gives you. Not by what I say. Not by logic either. So, go ahead and do what God wants you to do. But... When God has largely left that choice to you... And trust me, you know when God has left that choice to you. My dear... Raising a child is not beans, It's not... It's not... It's not easy. Even... In our time... Or years ago... Raising a child was never easy. If you want to raise a child properly... I, I've known this. I know this because I grew up reading books. You know? I like... I grew up reading books nobody really had my time like that the only friends i had were my brothers my two brothers and we played a lot and we only played when our parents were not at home and our parents at home went to pretend to read or something we played but it was not that deep but we played when our parents were not at home and aside that my brothers were boys they lived in another room and i largely stayed by myself I had a sister, but she's was, she was, she was five years older than me. So we always had a gap. When she's leaving secondary school, I mentioned secondary school. When she's leaving primary school, I entered primary school. Things like that. There was always that huge gap. You know, so... um, I grew up quite lonely. And I read a lot of books. So imagine if... they They did guide me, because I was also around church, all of that. Just... From being around you there's there's also an advantage of just being around people that are sound, even though they are not like they're not really like talking to you like that because my Catholic school also helped um but I know that from my childhood, the parts that I really really enjoyed were the parts where my dad spoke to me, and my dad had a way of speaking to me. In a way that was not condescending. I don't know. As a child, I always was I was always very big on respect. I hated when adults treated me as a kid. And most adults, they don't really have time to even treat you as a kid. But they have time to treat you like you're not there. Okay? <laughs> they have time to treat you like you're not there. Like, oh, she'll handle herself. Things like that. Come think of it. That's how I treat my um My cousins. I give them time sometimes, like, but they always end up annoying me, so I always drive them out of my room eventually. Um, but as a parent, you don't have the opportunity to drive your children out of the room because they've offended you. You must actively be there in their life, teaching them life lessons and not making it boring so that they don't resent you and then they will not listen to anything you say. It's a lot of work to now be having five children where you have to be actively present in their lives it's a lot of work (laughs) your child should not be lonely it's a lot of work you don't know what they're gonna look for when they're lonely it's a lot of work you're responsible you're responsible it's you it's you I think I have to stop the podcast I'm talking too long it's 39 um, and we still have a very, very, very long way to go. And I'm sorry, but I can't go there tonight. And this way, you're going to stop. So if you find this interesting, you should read the book. The book is, see, quite nice, quite encompassing, a very good resource, and it's just i mean pages long, three hundred and eighty eight, also yeah 388 pages long it's quite short and it's it's a nice book so read it come and talk to me i will appreciate it love you bye love you bye love you bye